The fight for the NFC North Championship is alive after a win over the Minnesota Vikings. We'll take one last look back at the game with Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com and look ahead to Sunday's showdown with the Detroit Lions for the title. It's all coming up on Railbird Central next. Railbird Central at Cheesehead TV. I'm your host, Brian Caravu. We're talking some Packers football this morning. We're getting ready for that big game against the Detroit Lions on Sunday. To do that and to take one last look back at the win over the Minnesota Vikings, we have us joining us on the phone today. Expert interview. We have Nathan Yankee of ProFootballFocus.com joining us today. Nathan, how you doing? Good morning. Doing well. How about you? Very good, especially after the Packers won this past Sunday. Nathan, let's start our discussion with Jordy Nelson, who got a lot of attention in light of the controversy that unfolded when the Vikings defensive backs went against Coach Mike Zimmer's wishes Nathan, what did Nelson do against the Vikings on Sunday? Uh, He had a great performance, one of the best for wide receivers this week, uh, catching 9 of 11 passes thrown his way, two of them going for touchdowns, another six for first downs. Uh, Some of those plays were notable not just because he made the catch, but what he was able to do after the catch as well. Um, It was also notable how many different uh, defenders he was up against in this game. Um, I know there was a lot of talk about the Vikings cornerbacks and if they would track him or not, but uh, some of his success was in the slot, and typically when a cornerback tracks a wide receiver, they don't follow him to the slot, so he was able to make a couple of big gains there. And just some of the routes he was running, he ended up being a linebacker or safety's responsibility rather than the cornerback. So um, regardless of if the cornerbacks were to have tracked the entire game or have just stayed on their sides the entire game, I think Jordy Nelson would have had just as big of a game regardless of one of those two game plans. (laughs) It's interesting, uh, all the controversy that unfolded there. Um, Obviously, a big part of the success by Nelson was due to Aaron Rodgers. Nathan, where does this performance rate among the string of very good games Rodgers has had since midseason onward? I would say this is his best performance and probably one of the top five performances by any quarterback this season. Uh, He was accurate on 86% of his passes when you account for throwaways and drop passes. Um, If those drop passes uh, would have been caught, he would have easily had 400 yards passing. Um, He was under pressure a bit more than usual in this game with the Vikings pass rush, which led him to get sacked a few more times than usual. But I wouldn't say those sacks were on him, and when he was under pressure and got a pass off, uh, he was still very good with all of his passes. So um, over this second half of the season, I would say Rodgers has been the best quarterback in the NFL as well. 
Yeah, he certainly is good. Uh, it's too bad the beginning of the season was a little bit uh, subpar, I suppose, but uh, good that he's playing well now. Uh, Nathan, I also have to ask about Geronimo Allison, who had quite a game uh, seeing more snaps with Randall Cobb being inactive. Can you dissect uh, the game by Geronimo Allison, and how much do you think the Packers use him when Cobb gets back? Sure, I think this was uh, by far his best game of his young career, uh, more than double the offensive snaps he had in any other game so far this season. Uh, Led him to catch four of six passes thrown his way. All four of them went for first downs, which was good, and it was also uh, interesting to see them coming on a variety of different pass routes. So uh, good to see the Packers are trusting him with the entire route tree. Um, The two incompletions thrown his way, I wouldn't say were on Allison. So um, only bad note on him is there was a screen pass where he could have blocked better, but still good to see uh, his performance as a receiver, and I wouldn't be surprised if that earns them a little bit of rotation time, even when uh, Cobb's healthy. Um, unfortunately, Nathan, it seemed to me like Ty Montgomery had one of his worst games as a running back. Uh, would you say that's fair in light of his performance against the Vikings? I would definitely say that's fair. I'm in the run game. The offensive line wasn't doing him many favors, but uh, he was getting contacted on average just a yard or a half of a yard past the line of scrimmage which doesn't give him much to work with, but there were only a couple of plays where he was able to make uh, the best of the situation. So you would have liked to see him doing a little better there. Um, In the past game, it also was uh, pretty underwhelming. Uh, Just one of those catches went for a first down. Um, In pass protection, he didn't do a great job with blocking the Vikings linebackers when they blitzed. So um, it was kind of all around a bad game out of Montgomery. So even though he had probably just as many good plays as bad in this one. You expect a running back to have a lot more good plays than bad. We're talking to Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Nathan, on the defensive side of the football, Clay Matthews had a heck of a game, which came, at least to me, as unexpected, seeing as how he performed the previous few weeks. How far back do we have to go to find a performance this good out of Matthews? Uh, Yeah, you have to go back a decent ways. It looks like all you really needed was to have a game where he's going up against uh, TJ Clemming, since that's where the majority (laughs) of his pressure came from. Uh, He had a sack, two hits, three hurries, and two batted passes in this one. So definitely a great performance out of him. A few of them did go up against different linemen when he was able to stunt inside, and the Vikings weren't able to handle the stunt very well. But the majority of that pressure did uh, go up against Clemming, so... Uh, he's consistently been having poor games for the Vikings at tackle. So um, it seemed like the Packers game plan for Matthews to have success as a pass rusher, and it definitely worked. Yeah, glad to see he's feeling better now uh, than he was just a few weeks ago. Uh, Nathan, how would you say Nick Perry did playing in his first game after two weeks off and playing in a big club cast? I would say he did all right in this one. Uh, He played in just 34 of 78 snaps, so he didn't play... Uh, as much as we typically see from him. And we've talked a few times before about how good he's been doing against the run, but he was only in for six snaps um, in the run defense, so he really didn't have much of an impact, positive or negative there. Um, Then as a pass rusher, he had two sacks and two hurries by PFF numbers, so he did a decent job in pass rushing. Again, some of those went up against TJ Clemmings as well, so it might have more to do with the Vikings' offensive line than Perry, but 
Um, it was still good to see Perry able to get some pressure in this game. Yeah, interesting that you note that. I thought that he would be playing more in running downs, but it just goes to show you how much you need your hands to do that. Uh, Nathan, I saw rookie Kentrell Bryce played the most snaps of his career last week, uh, which I think makes it an appropriate time to kind of look back at how the rookie has done this season. Can you sum up his campaign thus far? Uh, sure. In this game specifically, he was playing uh, free safety in the dime defense, which uh, with the Packers lead, they needed the dime defense a lot. So he had 42 snaps, which was uh, more than his previous high of 23. Um, those snaps were largely uneventful for him. Uh, he was never really thrown at. Uh, he did have three tackles, but none of them were particularly good or bad plays out of him. They just uh, He was in position to make the tackle, and he made the tackle. So um, when you don't really have anything good or bad to say about his safety, that's a good game out of him. Obviously not as highly graded as safeties who make a lot of plays in the run game or in coverage, but uh, doing nothing is still good for a safety. And along with that, he did have a nice tackle in special teams too. So uh, when he's been caught upon this season, a lot of other games have been uh, like this as well, where he hasn't done too much, maybe a few good plays here and there along with a few bad. So, He's graded out just slightly above average over all of his time. We'll take that for an undrafted rookie, I think. Um, finally, Nathan here, before we let you go, what's changed about this Detroit Lions team since the Packers last saw them early in the season? Sure, I would say uh, Matthew Stafford has had a good but not great season since then. Uh, still better than probably what we've seen out of Stafford in past years. Um, I know in that Packer-Lions game, Marvin Jones had a big game against them, but uh, he hasn't done quite as much the rest of the season, and it's been more Golden Tate emerging as their best wide receiver option. Um, Theo Riddick remains one of the best receiving backs in the NFL, but I know uh, he's been missing some time recently, so I'm not sure if he'll be in or not um, in the Packer game. And then um, it's the right side of the Lions' offensive line that isn't as good as their left side, so... I wouldn't be surprised if it's the other pass rushers who have a good game this week than those who had a good week against the Vikings. Um, then when the Lions are on defense, uh, they don't have many superstars, but they do have a decent amount of depth. Uh, Kerry Hyder has emerged as a very good pass rusher for them this year. So um, if there was a, an award for a player coming out of nowhere and having a good season, he could very well win it. And then uh, their secondary, they have, uh, like I said, a lot of depth. All of their starters are good players. Um, Darius Slay is probably their best defensive back, but I know, again, he's missed time recently too. So I'm not sure if he'll be healthy in time for this game. So um, the run defense hasn't been great, so Ty Montgomery could be able to rebound as well. So on paper, the Packers should have the advantage, but uh, they do have some players who have been playing well that could step up. Yeah, I do think that Darius Slay, whatever his status may be, that could loom large in this game. Nathan, thank you so much for taking some time to talk to us this morning. We'll break it all down next week, and hopefully we're talking about the Packers in the playoffs by then. Thank you. Have a good one. All right. Take care. Nathan Yonke of ProFootballFocus.com joining us here at Railbird Central on a Wednesday morning. Glad to have him joining us. Glad to have you, the listener, join us as we continue on with the show. And we'll do that by giving you my two cents, seeing as we didn't have an episode on Monday. I was 
once again traveling on the road with family during the holiday season here. Par- hopefully you'll pardon me for that. Uh, but I did want to give uh, my chips report, as I usually do after every game here, go through our blue chips, red chips, and cow chips, two players in every category, every game. Um, and we'll start with the blue chips. Uh, obviously, one of them, uh, Aaron Rodgers. You know, when you finish a game with a passer rating of 136.6, you know you had a good game. These were the type of performances you missed when Rodgers was in a slump from the end of the 2015 season to the beginning of the 2016 season. So, uh, again here, uh, relying on some statistics provided from Pro Football Focus, he was the only quarterback to throw for more than 300 yards on the Vikings defense this season. And you know what? That's all the more impressive considering it was against the Vikings that Rodgers had arguably his worst game of the year back during week two. Uh, But Rodgers completed more than 70% of his passes. And you know what? That's what keeps the chains moving. That's what made the Packers offense so dangerous this past week. On the day, he connected on 28 of 38 passes for 347 yards four touchdowns, and no interceptions. So fantastic, fantastic day from Aaron Rodgers. Just in a string of them here since midseason onward. He's just been on fire, uh, nominated for the NFL's Air Player of the Week. You can still go vote for that until uh, Thursday afternoon. So by all means, Packers fans, stuff the ballot box. He deserves it after a performance like this. Your other blue chip performer from this game, Clay Matthews. That's how it's supposed to be, right? Aaron Rodgers and Clay Matthews, the team's two highest paid players in the red chip cat, or pardon me, the blue chip category. That's how it's supposed to be. He was a wrecking ball out there. But you know, if you only looked at the statistics, you might have seen that he only had one sack on the day and thought, well, that's modest production. But that doesn't begin to measure the impact made by Matthews uh, this past Sunday. What's so great is even when he wasn't making a tackle, he was still imposing his will out on the field. He was credited with three quarterback hits, making it a long day for Sam Bradford, hitting him after he released the ball. And those hits add up. You know they do. Um, then Matthews also had two batted passes, which is great because if you can't get to the passer, at least get your arms up in the passing lanes. And that's exactly what he did. Uh, he also had three tackles on the day and and coming after three straight games when he essentially did nothing, it was especially nice to see. So kudos to Clay Matthews. Glad you're feeling better. Uh, glad you're making an impact. I mean, this... We should be seeing this more often out of Clay Matthews. It, it's it's unfortunate that it's it's only once in a blue moon where we get performances like these. Seemingly, um, uh, you know, I mean, it, think about that for a second. It's a it's a game in which he only had one sack, and we're talking about him having the best, uh, easily the best game of the season, best games in several seasons. It's remarkable. Uh, so I thought, you know, Clay Matthews played great here. And uh, 
you know, just just wishing we saw see it more often. And here's here's to hoping we do here down the stretch uh, in the season finale with so much on the line, and then hopefully in the playoffs, the Packers defense needs it. Your red chip players, the good, maybe not great. One of them goes to Jordy Nelson. You, you could certainly make the argument Nelson belonged in the blue chip category. And you know he made an impact when the Vikings went rogue and they went behind their coach's back, thinking they could all cover him individually, and they couldn't. Uh, Nelson caught 9 of 11 targeted passes on the day, which Pro Football Focus says is the highest completion percentage of the season when he's received at least 10 targets. Um, But he took those 9 catches for 154 yards, That's a 17.1 yard average and uh, got open in the end zone two times. Uh, He also had a long catch on the day of 48 yards. Uh, Again, it it just seems like, you know, uh, from midseason onward, he's been on fire just like Aaron Rodgers. And I suppose it's appropriate that it goes hand in hand. I mean, Jordy Nelson has been doing pretty good all year long, even in the beginning of the year. He was still finding the end zone, even if he wasn't having those big-time plays. So, I, I mean, really, it's it's been a season-long performance from Jordy Nelson. He's he's just been taking it up a notch as of late uh, from about midseason onward. In fact, Pro Football Focus breaks it all down, saying he's like the number one wide receiver in the NFL and all these statistical categories from something like week 11 onward. It's remarkable. And he, he did a great job, uh, just a few days ago. Uh, your other red chip category, uh, player, it it was a difficult choice, uh, with the other red chip, but I'm going to go with Geronimo Allison who received more playing time with Randall Cobb being out, uh, they didn't exactly play the same position. You know, Geronimo Allison isn't exactly playing in the slot a ton or lining up in the backfield, you know, being being Randall Cobb. But you know, it but Cobb being out allowed him to, you know, allowed someone new to see more playing time. Uh, they just had to go with different formations to use them. And Allison saw a season high forty four snaps on Sunday, and in those forty four snaps. He caught four passes for 66 yards, and I believe every one of them went for first downs. His big gain was for 32 yards. But most of all, he deserves recognition because he didn't look like a rookie out there. Aaron Rodgers was hitting him on timing routes, and you don't see that often out of rookies, especially undrafted ones. You see it all the time with a guy like Jordy Nelson, but he's been around for years. Uh, but Allison is out there making an impact making it show he has a very, very bright future with this Packers franchise, and that was good to see. So a lot of good in this game, a little bit of bad. Your cow chips, one of them going to, we talked about these with with, uh, Nathan Yonke, Ty Montgomery gets one of them. For the first time this season, I thought Montgomery didn't look very impressive at running back. The statistics speak for themselves. He had nine carries for 24. 23 yards, that's an average of just 2.6 yards per carry. He had a long run of just 6 yards. So for once, Montgomery wasn't out there breaking tackles or eluding defenders, putting the stiff arm on like we've seen in previous weeks. 
His four catches on the day went for just 17 yards. That's an average of just 4.3 yards per catch. So once again, just modest production there. And for the first time, he also looked like a liability in pass protection. He he gave up at least one sack and some more pressure this past Sunday. You know, the Packers had been trying to avoid putting Montgomery out there in protection in passing situations, but basically realized he'd have to do it sooner or later, and he didn't do a very good job at it on Sunday. Packers kind of in a tough position there because obviously you don't trust Ty Montgomery in pass protection as much as you do a guy like James Starks when he gets healthy. It'd be interesting to see what they do, but you still want him out there catching passes, you know, running routes if possible. So that's going to be a delicate situation going forward. How much do you play him? How much do you don't? Because you also don't want a situation where, you know, it's it's Ty Montgomery back there and you know he's not getting the ball or, or you know, if he's going to, you know, pass protect. And you just don't want to tip your hand to the uh, defense. So interesting to see what the Packers do with him going forward there. Uh, Quentin Rollins, the other cow chip, uh, he was largely responsible for the big day by Vikings receiver Adam Thielen who had, get these numbers, 12 catches for 202 yards and two TDs in the game. I believe this was the third game where the Packers have given up at least 200 yards to an opposing receiver this season. That's pathetic. Um, And unlike Demarius Randall, who gave up five receptions this past Sunday, uh, he did it by, you know, he made up for it by breaking up a team-high two passes. But Rollins didn't get his hands on a single pass, so um, not a good day from from Quentin Rollins um, this past Sunday, and it's been going on that way for for a couple of years now. So um, it's unfortunate that he he had that poor performance uh, this past Sunday. So anyway, um, let's move on here. Packers news of the day. All right, so. Um, the NFL released their playoff scenarios on Tuesday, which wasn't so complicated as far as the NFC North title is concerned. The Packers and the Lions play for the NFC North championship on Sunday, and the winner will get a home game in the playoffs. Um, there is a scenario in which the Packers will qualify for the playoffs even if they lose. And basically, they need a loss by Washington, which certainly isn't out out of the realm of possibility as they play the New York Giants this upcoming weekend. But still, it's a home game for Washington, and I believe they're favored by almost a touchdown in this game, just kind of the way things have gone these recent weeks here. So Packers fans will definitely want to keep an eye on that score uh, or certainly watch the game if you can uh, because that will have heavy implications on the Green Bay Packers. Remarkably, there's a scenario in which, pardon me here, there's a scenario in which the Buccaneers can still make the playoffs, but literally they need seven things to happen. Obviously, the Buccaneers need to win and the Packers need to lose. 
It also requires the results of four other games to go a particular way. And most improbable of all, it requires the Washington game ends in a tie. You, you know the old how people say, quote unquote, stranger things have happened. They might not be allowed to say that anymore if the Tampa Bay Buccaneers qualify for the playoffs, needing seven things to happen in an exact fashion this upcoming Sunday, including a tie by Washington and New York. If that if that all happens, no one can say stranger things have happened anymore. This the strangest thing just happened. So it, it's 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 quite a scenario. And um, uh, I I don't know how that can possibly happen, uh, but you know the Packers have basically been off here since since the game on Sunday, so there's not a whole been a whole lot of breaking news transactions, and they they got out of the game fairly healthy, so there's not a whole lot of injury news to talk about right now. Uh, but the one last thing here, just just as a note, um, and this is the the podcast for the diehard Packer fans, so we'll note it here. Uh, the Packers did make one small transaction on Tuesday when they signed a wide receiver to the practice squad. Baylor, former Baylor wide receiver Antoine Goodley, he was formerly in uh, with the Dallas Cowboys. Um, so, so the Packers signing someone to the practice squad, not to not to the fifty-three here or anything, but they made room for him by placing tight end Devin Kajust on the practice squad injured reserve. Had to get injured in practice for this to happen, or I, I suppose he could have gotten injured just away from football or something like that. Have I haven't heard what happened exactly there. Maybe we'll get the word coming up today or the next few days here. Um, but yeah, remarkable that just a few weeks ago we were talking about possibly Devin Kajust being uh, uh, promoted to the Packers' 53-man roster back when Jared Cook was injured. Uh, I thought that was a possibility, never ended up happening because Cook ended up getting healthy, which is good. He's been playing fairly well of recent weeks. Um, but yeah, so Kajust on injury, which doesn't really uh, impact anything. If the Packers want to re-sign Kajust in the offseason to one of the future contracts, they can. No big deal there. And then uh, Baylor wide receiver Antoine Goodley joining uh, and the Packers basically just seeing what they've gotten him for the rest of the season. Um, and that's all in Packers news. But moving forward. The day ahead. All right. The Green Bay Packers released their first. Uh, the, they didn't release it yet. They're going to release their first injury report of the week on Wednesday. And the one we're watching for here is wide receiver Randall Cobb. I'll admit, I didn't think he'd be inactive for the Vikings game. Um, however, I think a lot of people were caught surprised by that. I, I knew he was listed as limited in practice leading up to the game. And I thought he'd just play through it like he had in the weeks leading up to the game. Um, you know, we just, I, here on, the, on this talk show here, we kind of go through the injury report pretty much every game and and talk about, you know, how it's going to impact the game, you know, coming up and just kind of glossed over Randall Cobb, just assuming he would play, even though he was listed on the injury report. But in, in comments made to the media, uh, Cobb said that part of the decision 
was the, you know, the decision not to play was the magnitude of the Detroit game. Uh, kind of thinking that they might as well keep them fresh and hope it pays off. Uh, seeing as it's, you know, with, with so much on the line here in Detroit on Sunday. Uh, Mike McCarthy holds his Wednesday press conference at 9.30 a.m. Central Time, streamed live at Packers.com. Uh, so we'll see what he has to say about the situation here about Randall Cobb. Uh, so that's that's what's on tap here today as the Packers hit the practice field. And as far as the talk show circuit goes, Green Bay Nation announced on social media that quarterback Brett Hundley will be the guest on the show Wednesday night. That airs at 6.30 p.m. Central Time, making its weekly debut. Um, that's on the uh, WFRV Channel 5 in the Green Bay area. It's on different affiliates, different days of the week uh, but making its debut Wednesday night, so you can look forward to that if you're looking for your Packers fix on television. So there you go. Uh, this is going to be fun to watch, folks, uh, especially with the Lions coming off a Monday night football game and the Packers getting to play on a Saturday, so they're getting two extra days of rest that the Lions didn't get here. We're going to break this game down more on Friday. In fact, I've already got my Friday guest lined up. It's going to be Drew Olson, one of the hosts at the Big 920 or the Big 1070, uh, whichever affiliate you listen to out of Milwaukee and Madison, respectively. Uh, so we're happy to get him on the show to talk about this meaningful NFC North title game, essentially on Sunday as the Packers travel to Motown, to the Motor City, to take on the Lions here in a very, very meaningful game. Looking forward to it. Hope you'll join us Friday as uh, Railbird Central airs every Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 8.30 a.m. Central Time. That's the live edition of the show at CheeseheadTV.com, podcasted and on demand later in the day where you can download it on any device, iTunes, Stitcher, you name it. Um, but that'll do it for today's show, folks. Thank you, everybody, so much for joining us. My call to action, if you haven't done so already, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. It's the one small thing we ask. The show is free of charge, no subscription, no paywall. So if you could do us a solid, head to iTunes, search Cheesehead TV. It'll pop right up. Give us a five-star rating. A brief little review doesn't have to be anything long, but we greatly appreciate it because it helps get word out about the show and we think it's a service to Green Bay Packers fans, those who are out there searching for Packers podcasts to listen to. Uh, thanks, folks. We'll see you on Friday. On behalf of everybody at Cheesehead TV, I'm Brian Caribou. I leave you today with a song called Tinderbox by The String Cheese Incident on Psy Fidelity Records. See you later, everyone. Go Pack Go! Go!